All right, how's it going, everyone? Thank you for joining me on a new episode of Talking Tracks. Let's try this out. This is going to be Talking Tracks episode number 10, I believe. So uh, this was, I'm not going to lie, this episode of Talking Tracks was supposed to come out a few months ago. Um, a plethora of different things, such as starting a new job, having to commute to my old job again, and then uh, also being in the midst of probably the most intense part of grad school thus far. I know no one wants to hear, you know, any of that stuff. But uh, it's kind of what I had going on. And uh, what do you know? It's like middle of October already. And um, I got to hurry up and uh, catch up to uh, the current month. So right now we're going to be doing best and worst track of the week or in this episode of talking tracks you're gonna be hearing best and worst track of the week for the month of march yeah i kind of gotta turn on the jets right now and uh i did want to pick out a batch of 10 recent songs as well to kind of address the talking tracks part and i think i got a good batch of 10 tracks so um and then on top of that um i'll talk a little bit of the current state of the hot 100 because um the I actually recorded the best and worst track of the week months ago when March was still a little bit more relevant. So, yeah, I talked about the state of the Hot 100 around that time. So, uh, forgive me if there's a little bit of a uh, datedness to this episode, but um, we're kind of we're gonna get through that. Um, hopefully, uh, we'll hear some album reviews soon too. Um, I'm gonna really push through to at least cover perhaps the latest Arctic Monkeys album that drops this month. And- I wanted to talk about uh, some recent ones too, like always, but um, for whatever reason, uh, the albums albums this year have been quite weak. I don't know. Ever since albums started dropping uh, more so frequently uh, after post-2020 pandemic world um, events, uh, I don't think uh, records came out swinging as hot for some reason, or maybe I just changed in terms of how I received music, but uh, yeah, let's go ahead and uh, take it from the top, and let's go ahead and start with the first track. All right, so <clears throat> first track from the top, Girl in Red, October Passed Me By. Uh, sort of new to the scene, not so much. They've been doing their thing for a few years now. Uh, European indie alt-rock artist, Girl in Red. They kind of found mainstream success uh, in their most recent album cycle, um, probably like more along the lines of like being presented on stations like Alt Nation on Sirius XM, um, but uh, nonetheless, still kind of um, progressing in terms of their sound. This track um, kind of deviates away from their typical alt rock aesthetic. They went away from that for sure. Here, here we have more of a sultry, upbeat flavor overall in the track. It sounds quite similar to. Uh, more modern Taylor Swift, what she's been doing recently. Uh, even down to the production, the percussion texture, the textures are similar as well. Um, and I think that has to do with the songwriting. Uh, Aaron Dessner, I think, contributes to some of Taylor's work too. He co-wrote this song, it looks like. So um, I'm not sure if I dig this as much as usual Girl in Red material. The climatic areas were a tad underwhelming, but I'll give this a shot if this means, uh, you know, maybe in the context of an album this could work, um, but uh, we'll see. Next track is Men I Trust with Girl. This is uh, quite a different shift from Men I Trust as well. Um, they are typically uh, working with a more of like a, a funkier, 
smoother, I don't know, indie flavor that kind of builds off Dream Pop, but also incorporates, um, you know, other elements of rock and like other styles all over the place. They're place they're quite a unique band and i'm digging the mood that this track opens up with it's almost movie soundtrack like with its presence and mysteriousness uh it sounds a bit different from you know the typical men i trust like i said earlier uh, there's some male vocals thrown in i'm not sure if that's one of the regular contributing band members but i really dig the color that uh that vocal timbre brings to the track and the distinctiveness it, it brings as well uh, it's a pretty stripped down instrumental though. There's not a whole lot going on, but every texture that goes comes through is you know quite colorful and it it's an interesting track. Next track is by um, the one and only King Gizzard and the List Wizard with Iron Lung. This is a quite a long one. Um, to be honest, it's really hard to keep up with King Gizzard's discography because they they're putting out like I don't know five albums every year. Um, I have no idea if this is a single or if it's supposed to be part of an album or it is maybe like an album in itself because of how long it's, it is. Um, it's not an album, but um, this track is cool. It opens up with like a ride cymbal led drum pattern. There's a lot of hints of like modern production and aesthetics here as well um, that King Gizzard present as opposed to just sticking with like their typical jamminess uh, jam band sort of thing going on. Um, it's like a combo of modern bedroom pop and like Amy Winehouse. Uh, the song, uh, eventually evolves to like a funky instrumental jam that provides, uh, much of like what have I expected of like what King Lizard and the Wizard does. So, uh, th th there's an evolution to the track. There's some piercing synths thrown in at some point. Um, but just mainly like the instrumental interludes are just guitar melodies and solos that, you know, come in with different melodic ideas and things of that nature. Um, the track's runtime was maybe a little bit too long, probably around the four or five minute wrong, uh, four or five minute uh, runtime. Uh, I kind of got the point, but nonetheless, not a bad track. Next one is from a band I haven't heard from in a minute, um, but I have covered them on the pod before. Inhaler with Love Will Get You There. Uh, this is sort of more of like the... Your Mom and Pop's 2010 alt-rock, uh, you know, with this actually being uh, the project of Bono from U2's uh, Sons, uh, you know, this is his his rock band. Um, you know, some interesting melodic material to open up the track. It reminds me a bit of, like, the band The Doves. I'm not a huge fan of the progression of the track, especially as we get to the chorus. It sounds a bit de derivative. The, the verse material seemed a bit more interesting as a whole in comparison to the choruses. The bridge breakdown has a bit more flavor as well, uh, which is nice. And, you know, there's a, some instrumental interludes that build up quite nicely. Uh, but the track doesn't really have the, all that much of a payoff, and I think that's kind of what it was missing, so... Uh, we'll see what Inhaler does. The next track is from a band I have not heard from in a few years, The Arcs. Um, Keep on Dreaming. This is the side pro one of the side projects of uh, one half of the Black Keys, uh, Dan Arbach. It's kind of hard to say what The Arcs are nowadays because at first The Arcs were supposed to be a project that I think was more along like indie rock for the 2010's sake. Um, as opposed to the hard, bluesy aesthetic that the Black Keys kind of have since deviated from, but were kind of, you know, really hammering on when they were in their prime. I 
don't really know what's going on with the Black Keys now. What I'm trying to say is the arcs are a thing, but I don't know how different they are compared to the Black Keys now since the Black Keys kind of ditched what their bread and butter was. But either way, um, this track has a tight jam band aesthetic to it going on as the track opens up. I'm already liking this more than anything that the Black Keys are doing right now. I tried throwing on the most recent Black Keys album. I couldn't do it. Um, I like the sparkly synths that follow the vocal melodies in the track as well. Uh, the track does feel a little clunky going back into the intro section of the track after the chorus, though. Um, and there's a bit of a sleepiness to this, too. I'm not sure if it's mainly due to the intended aesthetic of the track or maybe just a lack of trying. Maybe it could have just used a faster tempo. Um, also, the track just doesn't sound like a single to me. This sounds like this would be thrown on the middle of an album, and it's just there to um, fill a space. So, um, But overall, not bad. Next track is from a newer act called Planes um, with the track Hurricane. Uh, Planes are um, a duo that is um, made up of uh, essentially Waxahachie, um, the main act or the main front woman of Waxahachie and uh, I think another artist called Jess Williamson yes Jess Williamson who I'm not all that familiar with anyway I think this project is just supposed to pick up on some of the more uh, leaned on influences that the music of Waxahachie does um, lean on in terms of like country um, folk music um, and this kind of just like goes uh, headfirst and dives into it, and it's nice. It's uh, the production is lively, uh, open. It's clear. Every texture blends in quite well, and, and honestly, it sounds like a Waxahachie track. Like if this was a single for the next Waxahachie album, I would not uh, think twice about it. Um, but this maybe just incorporates maybe some hints of like two thousands country instrumentals. The track sounds lovely. Um, like I said earlier. Maybe it lacks some driving energy, perhaps, in the instrumental or the composition, but that's pretty much all I have to say about it. Next track is from an artist called Maya Hawk, Luna Moth. Maya Hawk is uh, an artist that is actually uh, featured in the show Stranger Things, Ethan Hawk's daughter, um, if you know who that is. Um, they're, they're a musician, and they make music. So, um, you know, I have tried putting on some of the music in the past, has not I have not really been receptive towards it, but this is a newer track um, called Luna Moth. The track overall follows a pretty typical stripped down acoustic guitar singer songwriter aesthetic going on, perhaps some like Phoebe Bridgers influence going on. Um, and you know there is some evolution to it. It does progress with uh, adding on some gritty synth textures as the track comes. You know the track as the track runs and you know it gives it some color the track is pleasing to listen to i'm not sure where it fits into the current music landscape like i don't know if like a bunch of like younger people are going to be gravitating towards this because my hawk it seems like they're an artist that would probably be attracting a sort of a younger audience as being um you know a prominent role in a popular tv show and but i don't also see this being popular with middle-aged people it seems like uh, this track probably would have done better around 10 to 15 years ago when 
singer-songwriters were maybe more relevant. Uh, next track is from a band called Dry Cleaning. Um, no Decent Shoes for Rain. I should know more about this band, and I probably should listen to them more. They're one of those big names when it comes to modern-day post-punk, as it's been um, revived from various other bands like Proto Martyr, Idols, recently, among others. Just listening to this, I'm a bit surprised for what I'm hearing. Uh, this track uh, leans on minimalism and spoken word. Um, so it's kind of just has that going on. The track is quite relaxed. It brings a sort of uh, uncomfortable mood, which I'm sure is, is intentional. Um, it, it's an interesting track. I'm not sure if I dug it all that much, but the track sounds like it ends a bit too early, but then it just switches to a B section that is a bit more pleasing than the first half, at least. Um, it's a bit of a strenuous listen if it's not something you're not kind of expecting. Uh, nonetheless, uh, yeah, check out that song by Dry Cleaning if you're interested. Uh, Blink-182 with Edging. This is um, a pretty big deal that uh, this single exists if you've been paying attention in the past week or so uh, of the original members coming back together after being separated for, I don't know, 10-ish more years? I don't know. Tom DeLong was the, you know, front man, guitar player of the band as it was very successful in the 2000s. And uh, at some point in the 2010s, I think he left to pursue a career in uh, studying UFOs. And between that time, Bleak 182 did not really hang it up. They were making albums with a guy from a band called Alkaline Trio that uh, kind of just filled in the role of Tom DeLonge just fine. I'm not the biggest, most avid Blink-182 listener, but I do like some Blink-182 every now and then. I don't know. Uh, to me, this is not an improvement from what was going on the last two albums with uh, Mike Skiba. I believe that's the name of the guy from Alkaline Trio. Uh, Tom DeLonge sounds drastically different. Like... He doesn't even sound like the Tom DeLonge that was uh, the iconic voice that inspired thousands of uh, other artists to do a pop punk. And then on top of that, the instrumental, the, the guitars sound like they're barely there. Like this is barely a pop punk or rock song. Uh, the vocal sounds slightly robotic. That's probably due to the vocal processing, studio work done on it, and... Um, I'm not sure if I like this. I hope the album doesn't sound like this because this would be a huge failure. And that really sucks because if uh, Mark Hoppus, the, who I think is pretty much the heart and soul of Blink-182, uh, you know, he's had to battle cancer um, as of late. And uh, I really hope the music at least is worth making for Mark and this isn't just some sort of money grab. But who knows? Last track we're covering is Main Skin. Uh, the Loneliest. I don't really know much about this band other than they're from Italy. And they had a massive hit in 2021. That bled into 2022 called Mercy. That just kind of came out of nowhere. It's one of those weird songs that just happens. This It seems like they're really trying their hardest to have another hit. Because uh, Mercy is definitely one of the... Or I, I don't even know. I think it's called Beggin'. Um, it, I'm not even going to attempt to sing it back, but if you were, if you didn't live under a rock, you know what 
track I'm talking about. They're, they're one-hit wonder candidates, and um, you know, I I don't really know much about the identity or like sound of this band, but this track here is I think I like it better than the the one track that they're known for, but. This isn't good still. Um, the chorus is quite cheesy. It sounds like it tries to be quite vulnerable over the cathartic, um, but it doesn't really pull you in that direction, even though you know it's trying to do that. Uh, the entire track just kind of sounds flat, um, and it just kind of like, even though there's supposed to be like waves of emotion, the dynamic level just somehow is like consistent and bland the entire time. Uh, it's quite boring overall, but that's kind of all I have to say about it. So on that note, that's pretty much the 10 tracks that I have for you guys. Um, once again, apologize for the delay in uploads, but um, thanks for listening to that Lizzo album review, though. That has actually gotten a decent amount of streams on the podcast side. So uh, thank you for you know, hearing my thoughts on that. Let's try to get caught up to on Best and Worst Track of the Week, because this is you're about to hear March. And here are some of my thoughts. Um, on the current state of the Hot 100, because the thoughts I put down months ago are kind of outdated at this point. The current state of the Hot 100 is as interesting as it's been in a while, from what I saw recently. We have Bad Habit by Steve Lacey at number one. Steve Lacey, of course, being um, this the up-and-coming solo post-bedroom pop artist that really found his roots in uh, being part of the internet, that scene. Um, that stuff that was going on in 2010, fabulous band, the internet though, um, really dig their, their early work and pretty much the work that they have up to this point. Hopefully Steve Lacey hasn't completely left that band, but he's killing it doing his own thing. So if he has uh, bad habit has been huge this year. I will, that's probably like the breakout hit of the year. Actually. Uh, I think the last, I think what I talked about that you're about to hear I say there's no summer, there's no summer jam. Like typically around midsummer, we already know what that song is. This is that song. It, we, we, it just needed to come out like a few weeks. Uh, or it, they just needed a little bit more traction after I said that. Uh, so congrats to Steve Lacey on that. So this song's a jam if you haven't heard it. Um, Sam Smith is at number two. I thought his career was probably over in terms of being, you know, at the top of the Hot 100. He ended up coming in with an artist on this track called Unholy. This is the cringiest shit I've heard in a long time. And I've heard Sam, Sam Smith sing some cringy-ass shit. Um, it's, a, it's a hookup club banger. Or at least it tries to be. I don't know. I don't want to get too into that. But that's all I'll say about that. Number five, Morgan Wallen's in there. Morgan Wallen, I think, is a good representation at how crazy the hot 100 is in terms of country right now um just by looking at it i'd say a good majority of it is country so yeah morgan wallen's at number five and there's a bunch of other artists that sound just like him and other and a bunch of other bad to mediocre country on the hot 100 right now that typically that's filled in by hip-hop and r&b but i think hip-hop country has replaced that um, I don't know if that's a reflection of American society or I, I don't really even know how the data is derived to come up with the, the rankings for the 100. But country right now is in. <laughs> and tracks like what Morgan Wallen makes 
are kind of responsible for it, I think, because that's kind of who the the guy is right now in country music. Um, and I don't necessarily dislike Morgan Wallen. I think some of his music is actually pretty decent. But uh, another thing, uh, number six, One Republic, another artist that I thought was completely out of being any having any relevancy in the Hot 100 ever again. Um, I Ain't Worried is their breakout hit right now. I think this track is just them throwing a Hail Mary, and it kind of worked because they completely stole <clears throat> the what the fits and the tantrums were doing in the 2010s. Like, this song sounds like it's straight from 2016 or 2015, maybe a little bit earlier, when fits and the tantrum were kind of like that up-and-coming... Uh, friendly alt, alter, alternative slash indie act before they went like full on pop. But they, it sounds like Fitz and the Tantrum wrote this song and they maybe never used it on an album. And One Republic is somehow got the rights to this track. I don't know. It, it's, it's quite derivative. Um, Doja Cat has a track on there, top 10 still, despite not being like an artist that seems like she cares all too much about her image or putting out like the healthiest discography she's always finding a way to be super popular i think that's kind of interesting and another cool thing that i've noticed overall too um steve lacy has more than one song on the hot 100 he has a couple more so that's good for them quavo and takeoff have a couple tracks together what's up with that minus offset i think migos are officially broken up but why not just say you kicked Offset off Amigos? Uh, but other than that, that's my opinion on like the current state. I wish I listened to more of the tracks thoroughly that are currently on the Hot 100, but that'll come with time as I kind of catch up. Look out for uh, April soon. This isn't even an ending. Just listen to what I have to say about March. See you later. Welcome to Best and Worst Track of the Week for March 2022. And, uh, yeah, if you're a little confused, it's okay. Uh, you're not in the wrong place. Uh, we're just trying something different out. So what this is is just uh, you're either going to hear this at the end of a, an album review, possibly the Lizzo review, uh, which hopefully you don't hate me after hearing that. Uh, but thanks for sticking around either way or just uh, an episode of Talking Track. So... Yeah, if you're not familiar with uh, Best and Worst Track of the Week, stick around. But uh, basically, it's just a segment I've had on this podcast for a while. All Best and Worst Track of the Week is is just me looking at all new entries into the Billboard Hot 100 week by week. And picking the song that's the worst, picking the song that's the best. And kind of just talking about the Hot 100 in general. Uh, so yeah, this is for the, the month of March 2022. We're a little behind, obviously. It's like already August, so... Uh, but I think at the pace we're on, we're probably going to be hitting the summer months as summer is ending, which I don't really think that's a bad thing. So we can kind of like talk about summer 2022 uh, in terms of like the Hot 100 in retrospect. And it's an interesting summer overall. It hasn't really been like a typical Hot 100 or just like it hasn't been a typical summer uh, for music in general. Um, I think this is like the first true post-COVID summer where like music festivals are back in full swing albums are been have been dropping steadily this year uh from big names like Beyonce just dropped an album um and uh, yeah no like true summer bangers 
interestingly enough, and then just kind of like, is there a clear cut like uh, album at this point that's just like that's like a, a an Olivia Rodrigo sour, for instance, where everyone's very buzzed about it, or uh, just like a clear cut like album of the year at this point? I haven't really. I don't think we've gotten to that point, or is that point ever going to happen for 2022? It's just an interesting year overall. And I will say the my perspective is a little bit different from other people, obviously. Uh, and I haven't really been as active in listening to music this year uh, for various reasons, but I'm still kind of been listening to um, music as a whole. But I've been checking albums out here and there still, and I plan on reviewing more this year, hopefully. So... Uh, nonetheless, let's just get to it. Uh, let's talk about the current state of the Hot 100 before we get into the first week of March. Uh, right now, we are at the end of July. So technically, I'm coming in for the week of July 30th uh, when talking about the current state of the Hot 100. Uh, I believe this is like a Lizzo album bomb week, perhaps. Uh, well, that's like the first thing I guess we're talking about as well for this week. Uh, about Damn Time from Lizzo's latest album uh, is number one. So yeah, she's got her number one hit. It uh, last week at date it was at number two, but it's been on charts for about fourteen weeks. So, uh, but congrats to her on that, and uh, we'll be talking about the album soon. I'm pretty. So the review is already written. So yeah, we'll, we'll be talking about it soon. Uh, As it was by Harry Styles, number two. I feel like if there was a front runner for summer hit, that's probably it. But that's rather strange, honestly. Especially considering the summer hits are usually like a, a hip hop or pop R and B sort of track. Uh, but anyways, yeah, number two, uh, Harry Styles. Which uh, another interesting thing is that he's a number nine right now. He, he has a track, uh, Late Night Talking, at number nine. So he's the only artist, I think. Uh, let me just double check that. That has multiple tracks in the top 10 because after that, uh, Kate Bush is at number three, which is, uh, we'll talk about that here in a sec. Jack Harlow, number four, Future Drake, number five, Bad Bunny, number six, Beyonce, seven, Glass Animals, eight, and uh, Drake, number 10. So I guess Drake is the only other one, but Drake is a feature on that Future track that's at number five. So truly, Harry Styles is the only artist right now with multiple tracks on the top 10. And I think that's a little bit telling, honestly. Um, I think he's reached the point where he's a... Well, he has been a megastar, but he's probably at a different level at this point. I don't know if that's really saying much, because I don't think there's a whole lot of competition for what he does, honestly. Um, but it's, it's an achievement nonetheless. And um, you look at, like, other big talents, especially, like, pop artists, like Post Malone. Uh, he doesn't even have a, a track on the top ten right now. Uh, gr- granted, you know, I don't really know the reasons why that could be. It could be that maybe, yeah, he's just not making that as good as music as he has in the past. I'm not a huge Post Malone fan. I don't know his discography a whole lot but i can say he has a track at number 12 right now uh featuring doja cat uh and it's just interesting that the most popular track right now he has is featuring another very prominent female talent uh that uh, i don't know maybe perhaps is carrying that track i'm not sure uh but anyways yeah let's just go back into highlights uh running up the hill number three 
the fact that that states that has stayed so high at this point it's been on the charts for 28 weeks that is pretty insane considering this track is from the middle of the 80s and prior to it being featured on stranger things so heavily it was i wouldn't say forgotten about but it was not in the vein of the general public like uh it was not a household i don't know if kate bush was even a household name or this track was not even being played on the terrestrial like hit uh oldies variety stations or just like you know the playlists that go on like a typical 80s playlist that feature artists like depeche mode and like michael jackson now i think the narrative has probably changed i think if i were to go listen to uh a local station that plays variety music from the 80s and 70s and 90s this song i'm pre- i'm betting is probably going to show up on those stations now especially that it's so high at number three so consistently the numbers have to be coming from somewhere obviously streaming but i wouldn't be surprised if there's some radio behind it um but yeah nonetheless that's that's probably the most important thing on the Hot 100 this year, honestly. Another uh, another thing I've noticed, there is a massive presence of country on just the overall top 100. So not necessarily as we get like to the very top, but I'd say the bottom three quarters is filled with country. And it's like newer artists, such as like guys like Jelly Roll, which off the bat, you look at a name like that, you think that's a hip-hop artist. No, it's actually country artists. Uh, so... That's just an interesting topic to consider about, like, the current state of pop music is uh, is country kind of having some sort of, like, mainstream resurgence? Like, not in the sense that it's just, like, maybe it's, like, starting to rival um, just amongst, like, the general culture, like, hip-hop. I don't know, but it's pretty insane how much, the, like, since I started tracking and, like, doing best and worst track of the week country is probably the most prominent it's been since i've started in 2020 um okay so another weird phenomenon uh one republic with a song at number 27 i thought these guys would have hung it up already uh but they have a track uh that is doing well um the the issue with it though is that it sounds very mid-2000s indie pop like they just jumped on that train when it's already left, like, several years ago. Uh, and it sounds like a Fits in the Tantrums clone track. So, I don't know if maybe they got the guy from Fits in the Tantrum to write their music or something or produce it. But uh, they found something that's working, obviously. Uh, because before this, I thought they were, I thought they were done. I thought they, they might have hung it up. Next sort of thing I've noticed, Steve Lacey with the number 14 uh, track, which that's pretty cool. Uh, if you're not familiar with Steve Lacey, uh, they're uh, more of like an indie singer songwriter. I think they've got their start playing in the band The Internet, uh, which is uh, a pretty cool band if you like R&B, uh, like all R&B with some soul. Yeah, yeah, good for Steve Lacey. Uh, the better, one of the better tracks on that album. I listened to it, uh, his new album recently. I won't review it, but there's some there's some good stuff on there. And one thing that's the most interesting about this track, really, that uh, it has some forward momentum. Last week it was 50. Now it's 14. I wouldn't be surprised if this got a little higher. So uh, we'll we'll see what happens with that. Um, And then Big Energy by Lotto. One of the worst tracks I've seen in the limelight uh, in a while. Uh, One of the most generic 
uh, hip hop tracks. Uh, it's finally out of the top ten, so I think it's finally losing some steam, and hopefully, better tracks like uh, "Bad Habit" by Steve Lacey uh, fill its fill its place. Uh, but yeah, let's go ahead and move on to uh, the tracks, the best and worst tracks of the week. So for March fifth, that was the first week. Um, a newer artist got worst track of the week. We'll start with worst track of the week, so we leave on a positive note. Uh, "Pray" by Jesse Murph. Um, don't have much to say. Uh, this week, among other weeks in March, uh, we're extremely mid. So it didn't take much to get worst track of the week. You just kind of had to uh, drop a track that uh, you know didn't uh, have much to offer, I guess. Uh, and, and this track, to be fair to Jesse Murph, this is the only track I've heard of them, uh, and this might be just a breakout hit for them. Although I don't think. See really quick. I don't think it's on the Hot 100 at this moment. It's not. So, um, but in March, yeah, this track it sounded like an offshoot Tate McRae uh, aesthetically and vocally, which is weird that we're already getting Tate McRae clones because I I thought Trick McRae was you know still kind of fresh and more of like a Billie Eilish alternative. Uh, but anyways, um, yeah. Just a obnoxious vocal performance on this track. It's uh, extreme. It features extremely melodramatic lyrical content. The track is very brief as well. Structurally, I don't know where it's going. It hardly develops anything. Uh, when it starts to go somewhere, it seems like it's like it's already done, and it's structurally hard to define how the song was written. It doesn't have much of a payoff, and it, you know, overall, it's not entirely all that impressive. Um, and then best track of the week kind of won by default because the rest of the tracks are pretty much just hip hop tracks um, and a mediocre hardy track. Um, and uh, Lil Dirt got it with uh, Aha, which I think ended up coming out on his new album. And uh, it's just hard hitting gangster rap. Dirt comes out with a lot of angst and presence, uh, some hooky chorus material. And it, it he flows well with it. On he flows well with the instrumental. Uh, that features a hooky piano loop accompanying Dirk. And he Dirk just does what he does. He rides the beat extremely well. Yeah, Aha won basically just because it's the most exciting track from this batch of tracks. And uh, wasn't much, not much else to say from this week. March 12th. Boy, was this one of the worst weeks I've done uh, in uh, pretty much the entire time for best and worst track of the week. Uh, there was, there isn't really anything that's good. Uh, and it took some thinking to figure out which was the worst track. Because it was, everything was mid, nothing was good. Uh, nothing was awful. Well, I will say, the, the track that got worst track of the week here, it was bad. Uh, Rocking a Cardigan in Atlanta, Lil Shorty Scott. Uh, have not, um heard much of this artist other than i think around this time i heard it making the rounds on like tiktok videos i'm not the biggest tiktok connoisseur i don't really know but if i had to guess this got popular because of that app uh the track itself uh opens up and is mainly comprised of an overbearing and overly bright piano hook intro that sounds like uh, a beginning piano exercise that you give to a kid. Uh, and it's reiterated over and over. It just sounds disgusting. Uh, a squeeze-delivering tone 
that seems like it's supposed to be slightly, I don't know, Playboy Cardi or Young Thug influence. Maybe just trying to be overly quirky, probably that's the case. And the beat does have some interesting bounciness and distortion to it at times, but the track just loses any redeeming qualities as it builds up to the hook and main theme. So, uh, yeah, it's just an awful track. The the, the rest of the week, to, to choose best track of the week, I really had to... Uh, I just really had to figure out why a track would earn it or why I would choose it because I didn't really like anything else. To the Moon by GNR Choi and Sam Tompkins got honorable mention, but honestly it sounded very derivative of other shit I've heard, and I think that's just because it's sampled. It samples a Bruno Mars track, I think, and then like it sounds like Pop Smoke. Usain Boo was probably one of the best Kodak track, Kodak Black uh, tracks I've heard in a while, but uh, I don't really care much for Kodak Black. And then also an, an extremely offshoot outlier track by Labyrinth and Zendaya, the actress Zendaya, uh, with I'm Tired, which I think coincided perhaps with that show, uh, Euphoria perhaps. I, I don't know. I don't see other, any other reason why Zendaya would be on a track. Uh, but yeah, it, it wasn't very good. And uh, I don't know if, if Zendaya writes her music, uh, if she wrote this track, uh, you got to find a songwriter if you're going to go into uh, the music stuff. So I don't know. Uh, Freaky Deaky by Doja Cat and Taiga. This has got best track of the week just because it was probably the best track overall that was just sound uh, from beginning to end that made sense. Uh I don't really like this track, but Doja is probably the best part of it. Her voice sounds so light and smooth on the hook. It's, it's at least drawing. And Tyga drops a mediocre performance on the track, as expected. Uh, I like the light keyboards that structure the instrumental. And Doja's verse uh, that she raps is present and exciting compared to Tiger. I think this track could have just been a Doja Cat track. I don't think they needed Tiger. I don't know why Tiger's on here. <laughs> but, um... The, the track overall, I think, is just a pretty standard pop rap track. Uh, pop rap track. So it's not my favorite subgenre. I really don't like when rap is lighthearted and fun and poppy. I prefer it to be uh, more hard-hitting, but uh, whatever. That's just my preference. It's not bad for what it is. It, it didn't last on the Hot 100. It's not here in the summer at this point, so... Yeah, uh, we'll forget about that week. Week of March 19th, uh, this was a mini-album bomb for King Von and a bunch of other forgettable shit. Uh, a really boring Machine Gun Kelly track with Lil Wayne. you think a Lil Wayne feature with Machine Gun Kelly would at least liven up the music, but it really didn't. Uh, honorable mention to Evil Twins by King Von and Will Dirk. It's a cool track, but and I didn't really quite think it was the best track of the week. Uh, what did I give worst track of the week, though? Uh, probably one of the worst tracks I've heard in a while. Definitely this year. Uh, Bam Bam by Camila Cabello and Ed Sheeran. Why the two decided to collab? They probably wanted uh, to piss me off. Probably. That's that's exactly why they did this track. I don't know what I could say about this. Um, it probably is a perfect example of the qualities I dislike of Camila Cabello's music. Uh, it opens up with a disgusting, thumpy guitar instrumental that opens the track up with, uh, you know, a very empty void with just that and Camila Cabello's uh, opening vocal performance that then 
develops into this generic, just generic Latin tropical flavor on the course because uh, Camila Cabello, that's, you know, you got to do that sometimes uh, with her. Uh, and it just ends up becoming so sanitary, stale, inoffensive. It lacks a lot of character. Um, it, it, it just exists, I guess, to fill in radio slots on top 40 playlists especially as ed sheeran comes in also the production sounds dull like the audio sounds straight from like a disney movie made for tv i'm not sure if it came from something tv related or movie related but it's not very good and then it it's just an awful experience listening to it probably like i said the worst song i've heard this year and uh i i guess it didn't have much staying power because it's currently 93 on the hot 100 so there you go Best track of the week. This one won just by being the most exciting thing, most best sounding thing of this week. Uh, Gucci Man publicity stunt. It's a Gucci Man track, solid rap track. Uh, it opens up st- straight to the point with the standard triple Gucci Man flow that's energetic enough to carry the track. He literally raps in the same flow and practically uh, the same style throughout the whole entire thing. But there's a dark mood that's on the instrumental. It's not bad. Uh, and props to Gucci Man for not needing a feature on this track. That would have felt unnecessary. You just held it on your own. Nice job, Gucci Man. All right, for the week of March 26th, um, it's the last week of March. It was a little Dirk album bomb, and I had to do something um, to um, to deal with album bombs. I've tried several things, and each time I've done them. Um, I've gotten rid of the, the way I've done it, but I think this is the final way. Um, because album bombs, in a sense, they're they're artificial. They're inflated. Everyone knows it. The, the tracks enter into the 100 because uh, typically from trap rap albums, but not all the time, because the artists are extremely popular and um, people, fans of the artists, just stream the hell out of the album the first night it comes out. Like, pretty much the first weekend. Um, And then the numbers are just ridiculous. So every track just enters, despite it being of any quality or it being of any cultural relevance. If people are actually listening to it, it's just being listened to because, in this example, Lil Durk put an album out. Not to condemn Lil Durk for putting an album out. That's what you do when you're an artist. It happens to practically every... Every artist with a good big following, and um, it's not to say these albums are bad, but it's it doesn't give a fair shot to the other tracks that are trying to get into the Hot 100, or other tracks that have some actual authentic like some authentic uh, momentum behind them that are maybe outside of the Hot 100, where people are actually engaged in it and are actually trying to push for the album the track to get you know more popularity. And then there's actually a word of mouth going around for a track. So, long story. I pretty much gave you the long story. But um, the way it's going to be handled now. On the next following week following the debut of tracks that are album bomb tracks. I look at the next week. If they are no longer on the Hot 100, I'm not even going to give them a shot. Because it's basically... Basically saying if it's not if it doesn't make it an extra week, 
after the album bomb. It was only on there because of the album bomb, and no one's listening to it, which is actually the case most of the time, because no one listens, <laughs> uh, especially in the hip-hop world, to albums more than a week. Because then you just, especially like the hip-hop Twitter culture, you just go on and talk about the next albums that are coming out the next week. And then the cycle repeats over and over again. And it's just like a, a sort of hype thing. So that's how we're going to handle it. I think it's more authentic to handle those sort of things. So anyways, I'm just saying all of this to basically say that um, none of the Lil Dirk uh, tracks I covered were best or worst track of the week. Which would probably pan out either way um, with this week. Because you'll see here in a sec. Um, but that's just how it's going to be handled now. Um, so I only gave uh, a few listens to some of the Little Jerk songs. So I said a whole bunch just to say, um, yeah, we only covered a little bit of uh, the, the Little Jerk album on the week of March 26. Uh, but either way, and, and none of the tracks that I covered for Little Jerk I thought were terrible. Um, I gave most of them Bs. So yeah, but anyways, worst track of the week for March twenty sixth, Bones by Imagine Dragons. Um, th this band has done its thing now for about a decade, which is pretty cool. And I will say, when I was when I first was introduced to this band, well, just as I was finishing up high school, I think <clears throat> I thought they were really good. I liked them, and I was very into alternative music at the time. Um, I was a proponent of them or any band that sounded like them because they sounded new and they sounded fresh. Um, and there was kind of like a, a subculture of like indie fans. Not like they are there is today, but <clears throat> there's just a community, I guess, or just people that uh, were against just like the current state of music at the time that gave no attention to like a lot of indie and alternative bands <clears throat> in the mainstream. Well, what happened, as everyone knows, <clears throat> Imagine Dragons blew the hell up, and they became uh, what I was against. Now, I don't really care as much, but um, needless to say, uh, they're not my favorite band at this point, and the general consensus is that <clears throat> the music they make is not very good. But they do have a lot of fans, and they are extremely popular, so I will give them that. Um, but yeah, Bones by Imagine Dragons. I don't really think this out and decide whether a song by uh, Juicy J and Kevin Gates thinking, called Thinking With My Dick was worse. And that song's better than this song. And uh, basically it came down to with how obnoxious this track uh, already sounds by the time we're barely at a minute runtime. So at a minute 13, we're already at our second chorus hook section. Um, an ay ya ya Not even like an actual sung piece of uh, melody with lyrics that, uh, you know, maybe deliver a message. It's just ay ya ya uh, Which is truly impressive considering it's just about one of the most annoying things I've heard Imagine Dragons do thus far. So the fact that we get the main theme twice already being in, at about a minute in truly makes this thing difficult to listen to. I guess the good thing... Uh, that you can say about this track, though, is that it doesn't have that big of a runtime. But still, um, yeah, it's it's just a, an annoying track um, by, in my opinion, a kind of annoying act. Um, and I can't really describe the song any further than it's true to Imagine Dragons' unique trademark alternative sound. 
And if you listen to a handful of their tracks, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, they just somehow managed to make it even more obnoxious somehow, which is why I gave this track worst track of the week. <clears throat> Best track of the week uh, will probably be refreshing to this episode because um, it is kind of like a legacy track that got resurgence because of the Batman movie. Um, that came out in March. So Something in the Way by Nirvana is best track of the week. And what can I say, though? I mean, it's a Nirvana track. Um, and um, maybe I'm a little biased, but... Um, the track is is actually really good. Um, it's a simple yet impactful track. Kurt's vocal performance uh, is top-notch on here. Um, he This track truly shows how versatile of an artist he was. Because here... He's just he starts with a soft whimpering tone coloring the track on the verse and it's it's it sounds beautiful um, if you really kind of tune into <clears throat> the inflections in his voice and the the melodic lower string instrumentation as the chorus kicks in that provides counter melody is gorgeous and the stripped down and relaxed nature blending so well despite uh, you know there's still being uh, big sounds like a tr a trap drum set uh, that. Uh, could only play be played so sensitively by someone like Dave Grohl, who is actually like more known for being a hard-hitting, you know, aggressive drummer, uh, as a lot of Nirvana music uh, sounds. But uh, yeah, he plays this off really well. I'm assuming he was the one that did it in the studio. Um, I wasn't there, but it's probably Dave Grohl. And I love the vocal harmonies on the chorus that grows uh, that grows the overall presence of the track. So. There's just a lot of subtleties in this track, and it's great. I think it blends in well with that movie, too. At this point, the movie's pretty uh, a few months old, but yeah. Um, so that is Talking Tracks for March. Um, I think at this point, yeah, we're going to do April, but uh, I want to get some more reviews done, so keep an eye out. Well, you probably just listened to the Lizzo review, uh, or you're just hearing this at the tail end of uh, Talking Tracks, so... Anyways, have a good one. I'll see you all later.